0: Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast, this is episode 5 of season 9 and we're talking all about apprenticeships today. There's been a lot of noise around the need to have more apprentices and how it's a massive part of plugging the major skills gap in the installation bit of the KBB sector. And that's something that's only going to get worse if we don't find that new blood. But apprenticeships are now a major vocational education pathway across pretty much all job roles, not just the traditional trades. And so there's just lots of noise around the subject in general. But when you ask people why they haven't got any apprentices, one of the most common replies is that they simply don't know where to start. Equally, they think they don't have the time, that it's too expensive, and they're just going to get lumbered with some lazy teenager who doesn't want to work. So today, we're going to hopefully dispel all those myths and answer that first most important question. Where do you start? I'll be talking it all through with our expert, Hannah Hockley, from The Apprenticeship Partner. But first... Today's episode is brought to you with the support of our very, very good friends at Lawcris. They lead the field in wood-based panel products, laminates and edgings with big brands such as Emporio Skin, Kronospan and many, many more. With over 40 vehicles in their fleet, they can provide next-day delivery on all stocked products and you can find out all about them at lawcris.co.uk. That link is in the episode description. So, please welcome to the podcast, Hannah Hockley from The Apprenticeship Partner. Hello, Hannah.
1: Hello, Andy. Nice to be
0: here. Well, thank you for sparing us a little bit of your time. Now, let's start with you. Can you just give us the quick overview of who you are and what The Apprenticeship Partner does?
1: Yes. So, yeah, as you said, I'm Hannah. So, I'm an apprenticeship expert. I've worked in apprenticeships for most of my work in life in various capacities. I used to be an assessor, have worked directly for a training provider Um, and in the last few years I've worked in apprenticeship management which has led me to now having my own company. So apprenticeship management is basically dealing with all of the administration, red tape, hurdles that employers sometimes or often face when trying to recruit or employ an apprentice. So we have various services that take all of that away. So being able to help with all of the elements that come from the beginning of recruitment, right up to finding appropriate training providers, setting up government digital accounts. All of that. And it's also a service for larger companies with multiple apprentices where we're able to kind of manage the overall provision. So being able to give key people within a business a really good overview of all of the apprentices that they're employing. So there's kind of two sides to it. For the KBB sector, it's definitely more that that recruitment and onboarding side that's that's been most helpful.
0: So you're about smoothing the way really and getting rid of all the crinkles that might stop people having apprentices in the first place, or might have them leaving the apprenticeship experience thinking it was all a bit of an onerous task. So you you, you take all the hard bits away. Yes, exactly. Right, perfect. And you've been working very closely with the B I K BBI, haven't you, in their apprenticeship initiative?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I've worked with BigBee for a while now, previously in my in my previous role and now. With the apprenticeship partner, and that's been very solely fixed on promoting the fitted furniture installer apprenticeship. So an apprenticeship specifically for people looking to become fitters and installers in the KBB sector. So yeah, so that's been that's been a big part of what I've done over the past sort of year or so.
0: Okay, I'm going to start, Hannah, with a really stupid question. You'd be surprised how many of my questions are (laughs) fall under that category. But what is an apprentice? And I ask that because lots of people have different ideas of what they think an apprentice is, particularly if they were an apprentice 30 years ago or whatever, making yeah. cups of tea and buying tins of tartan paint and left-handed screwdrivers, you know. The, <laughs> what, what is the definition of an apprentice? Uh, that is a very good question, actually. No stupid questions here. Um, it's
1: it, And it's good that you mention it because an apprentice isn't just a title. So previously, and like you referenced many years ago, people will sometimes take on a trainee and call them an apprentice. Unless they're doing a nationally recognised apprenticeship programme, it's not an apprenticeship. It could be a trainee position. It could be a junior role, but it's only an apprenticeship when there's a, a nationally recognised qualification attached to it. So an apprentice is essentially doing a full time job with recognised training. So that training is in two parts. So the majority is sort of on the job training where they're learning from the people that they work with and their employers, line managers, whoever it might be. And then the other part is the the part that the training provider delivers. And that's sometimes more of the underpinning knowledge or just being supported through that apprenticeship programme to make sure that they're getting the opportunity to do the learning that they need to do.
0: These days, it is a very serious educative pathway, isn't it? It is an mm. education, further education choice that it doesn't have to be young people, does it? But that people can make and it. it is a recognised qualification. That's the main part of it is you do come out the other end of it with a piece of paper that says you are able to do something. Okay, so give us an idea of the scope that apprenticeships have today in the national picture, because there seems to be a lot of government focus on them, lots of people talking about this as practical on-the-job training to fill in lots of skills gaps that we have. So give us an idea of where apprenticeships sit at the moment
1: it's really broad now. Again, if we look back many years ago, it would have been very much trade focused. And that was kind of what apprenticeships were. Now there's apprenticeship options in every industry ranging from entry level apprenticeships right up to degree level, including sort of integrated degrees. And you're right that a focus previously would have been more on university. And now it's about offering students in education and people who are no longer in education, a picture of the wider learning opportunities that there are. So people can make an informed decision. And I think particularly in recent years, it's important for people to know that there is an option there to maybe get exactly the same qualification that you would going into university, whilst being paid for it and getting hands-on experience and, and setting yourself up to be more likely to gain a job in that sector. So it's all about being able to to make informed choices, I think. But you're right, the government and industry have both bought into apprenticeships more in recent years. Apprenticeships are now written by industry. So apprenticeships moved from what used to be known as apprenticeship frameworks, and they moved a few years ago into what are called, or called apprenticeship standards. So for every standard that is released now, that is created by a trailblazer group and that trailblazer group will be made up of big players in the industry, in the sector that that apprenticeship fits to make sure that the information is relevant to the sector, is updated, is current because particularly in the trades the frustration used to be for employers they would have an apprentice and that apprentice would go one day a week to a college or a training training facility and they'd be learning things that were outdated that weren't current or weren't the way that it it best fitted with within industry so now that they're written by sector specific people it makes them much more relevant and therefore much more beneficial for everybody involved
0: I think it's really interesting to point out. We're going to talk about fitting installers, et cetera, here today. But actually, as you say, the huge scope of apprenticeships is you could have a marketing apprentice. You could have a social media apprentice. Any of the roles that are developed or you might find shortages in, even in KBB retail, could be having an apprenticeship in them at some point. It's a fascinating area. And I think it's only going to grow and grow as going to university, for example, becomes very expensive. It's already very expensive. But equally, I don't think university necessarily gives you all the practical experience that employers are looking for. Why is it so important? for KBB retailers to think about it at this stage? Because obviously we're talking about fitting and installers. There is a massive skills gap, isn't there? But even if they don't directly employ fitters, it's still important for them, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, if there's no fitters in the future, there's going to be no one installing their product. So the whole industry needs to be kind of behind the apprenticeship in the sector. And there's two very specific ones that fit. So there's the fitted furniture design technician. So that's much more of a showroom role helping to design the kitchen, bath and bedroom with the customers and having that customer focus. And then there's the fitted furniture installer. And that's the one that B is promoting so highly because that's the one where the big skills gap is and that's what the industry is facing. And retailers, even if they aren't directly fitting, they will have a network of installers that they're able to access and help to promote this apprenticeship to, promote the merits of it. And yeah, so they definitely have a part to play in the, the wider scope of this apprenticeship getting it out there
0: okay so when you talk about apprenticeships with kbb people in general what are the main things that always come up what are the main things that they roll their eyeballs about and go oh, i don't want one of them because <laughs> What's the, what are the main objections
1: so some of the main objections are cost the others are they haven't got time for actually being able to do the recruitment and all of the processes involved we get a little bit of people feeling that young people don't want to work or aren't interested in working. And then also there's a train of thought of, well, I don't really want to train someone up who's then going to leave and start their own and become my competition. So relevant points all over. However, it's really about increasing the amount of installers that we've got in the sector. And Is the installers that you may know have got businesses or maybe are coming towards the end of their careers or are looking at retirement. What better legacy to leave than to train somebody up to kind of carry on what you do to the high standard that you expect to make sure that that's how the industry continues after you've left it. We see so many applicants that come through of young people. And some slightly older people who are super keen, they know they want to be an installer. That's what they want to do. They're looking for the opportunity. They know that the apprenticeship is one of the best ways to do that because they're going to get the qualification. They're also going to get the experience and they're going to learn hands on. Yes, there will be some people out there and there may have work experience or child days that people have had that have been frustrating because they haven't been the right fit. But if the recruitment's done in the right way, there are so many people out there that are keen, eager and talented. And a lot of them have got a little bit of experience already. So they might have done a bit of carpentry, they might have worked in the trades in some way, but they want to be a fitter because they know about it. They know about the industry, they know about the prospects for it. They like the variety of skills that are involved. So it's trying to get that message out there as well to retailers and to installers themselves that there's some great people out there looking for these opportunities
0: and i think one of the underpinning messages that isn't talked about enough is this is about raising overall skill levels as well 100%. you know this is this is about trying to create a network of qualified experienced Fitters who you can rely on and trust to do your jobs well, rather than having to fall back on slightly dodgy geezers because you've got no other choice because there's no one else to do it. So what we'll do. We'll try and address some of those main objections as we carry on, and I think they'll all come up at some point as we as we step through a process here. So right, you've convinced me, Hannah. Right, I'm a retailer. You've convinced me. <laughs> yeah. I'm really interested in finding out more about apprenticeships. Where do you start? I guess that's one of the things I just don't even know where to start with it. So what can you do on Monday morning to start you on this process?
1: So. Monday morning, you can go to the BICB website, so the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom, and Bathroom Installation, go to their website. On there, there is um, a section about apprenticeships, and you can register your interest. So you fill in a short form on there. That will come through to us here at the Apprenticeship Partner, which will generate a call. So we will call, go through the main elements about apprenticeships, see what it is that you need help with, answer any initial questions. That will then get followed by an email with all of the relevant information, documents for you to read, apprenticeship overviews for you to look at, and that can start the process. So the services that we offer through BIKBBI are three levels. So specifically for installers, we've worked out a package of three levels. So there's a free guide that you can have that step by step, all the things that you need to do to be able to recruit and onboard an apprentice with links to various government sites and things that you need to do. There's a full service where we will do all of that for you. And there's also a service that exists where if you're a sole trader, or you've not employed somebody before, or you don't really want the hassle of the PAYE scheme and doing the HR side, We actually work with an ATA who can employ the apprentice on behalf of the company and that company then become the host employer for the duration of the apprenticeship. So, again, it removes another element of of admin for people that are looking for that kind of service. So, yeah, and we can talk through how those work and what's going to be best for for each individual company, because it really does vary.
0: I think what's interesting in there is an initial step is actually really thinking about what it is that you want. Like, what do you want an apprentice for? What roles do you need to fill? Where would they fit into your business?
1: Absolutely. And so it is really important to go through your provision, what you're looking for, what you're looking for now, what you're looking for in the future. Do you know of people in your business that are going to be leaving it at any point Do you know that you're about to take on a lot more work in the future and you're going to need to start bringing in additional help? All of the things that might mean that taking an apprentice is good for you right now, or maybe it's good for you in six months, or maybe it's good for you next year. Maybe you have a son or daughter looking to come into the industry and you know that when they complete their studies at school or college, that's what they want to do. So again, you might be planning for that in the future. It's definitely about analysing your current business, how it works, and what you can offer an apprentice, but also what they can bring to bring to your business.
0: Do you find that some people see an apprentice as just a way of hiring somebody cheaply? In other words, they have a role that they want filling. If they don't have a role, that's, there's somebody they're already doing that can train them.
1: Yes, but there's things in place now to prevent that from from happening. So it used to be, again, back in the day, where you could just employ an apprentice with no parameters, there was nobody to check what that apprentice was doing, because you as the employer pretty much led the whole apprenticeship and you decided when they complete. Nowadays, it's much, much stricter. And the training provider that an employer will work with will make sure that that apprentice is hitting their goals, getting the opportunity to do the work that they need to do. Now, these are entry-level positions, and obviously everybody that starts is going to be sweeping floors and doing those things. But as long as that is not the total of the role that they're doing, these are going to be skilled professionals, and they need the opportunity to practice and learn those skills, learn what tools are needed, learn about different products, different surfaces, whatever it might be. They need the opportunity to do that. So there is now a requirement for that. National minimum wage for apprentices is still very low. In the KBB sector, we recommend, and at the Apprenticeship Partner and Bickby, we always recommend to our employers that they look at paying national minimum wage for the age of the apprentice or the person that they take on. Again, with the traditional age of apprenticeships being sort of the 16 to 18 category, a lower wage when you're you're living at home with your family is is okay. But actually if you're mid-20s and you're looking at retraining and you want to become an installer, there's a certain level of, of money that you kind of need to get to be able to continue to live and pay your bills and everything. So that's where we we recommend it. So It's not cheap labor anymore. And that's absolutely not what apprenticeships are about. They are about fulfilling this skills gap with brilliant, talented people.
0: So, a lot of the stuff you said already sounds administrative. There's lots of forms to fill in and things to read. Can you give us an idea of, of rough, I mean, I exactly, but how long this early start of it takes? As you said at the beginning, people haven't got time. They don't like lots of administration around things. Obviously, you've got to do some administration, otherwise it won't happen. But give us an idea of, at of, of this early stage of engaging somebody like you in this process, what kind of time commitment that might be.
1: Yeah, so if you're looking at at, at, at taking it on and you want to employ an apprentice and you're going to start that process, the recruitment can be quite long-winded because the number of applicants can be quite high. And the time invested in contacting all of them can also be quite high. You know, not everybody's available immediately when you ring them. So you might have to call them back. You might have to keep trying certain people. Certain people will never answer. So part of what we do is to kind of mitigate that and make sure that the only people you get have been pre-screened and are interested in all of those things. So that's quite a big time commitment. Setting up the digital account. So all employers now, and this is part of the government's drive to make apprenticeships better and more secure. All, all apprenticeship employers now need to have a digital account which is set up through a government portal that is a bit time consuming to set up it can be a little bit complicated so that's another element of it obviously interviews and trial days need to be put in place and planned and organized finding and sourcing a training provider so it's not a case with the fitted furniture installer where you can just go to your local college and they will deliver the training The fitted furniture installer tends to be delivered by specialist training providers, some colleges, but again, specialist colleges. So it's about having to do that wider research and finding a training provider in your area that offers that apprenticeship. And then making sure that you've kind of got all of the paperwork done, the health and safety requirements, insurances are in place. Setting up with the, the training provider and then making sure that you're there for the kind of initial meetings doing all of the sort of forms that need to be completed. So the agreements, all of those kind of things, and then making sure that you're then able to support that apprentice and and attend meetings moving forward.
0: And I would assume that all of that that you've just described is something that you would help with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we can literally do the whole of that for you. So obviously the employer needs to do the interviews, but they will only be presented with great candidates to look at. We will arrange interviews at convenient times. So again, we'll go back to those those candidates and let's set that up. We'll find the training providers. Yeah. So basically everything set up the digital account, all of the all of the admin, the tasks, the things that people come up against and which they just go, gosh, I'm just too busy, I'm just too busy to have the time to to look into this or do this which makes the process much smoother, makes the process much quicker. But like I say, we do have the guided service, which is free, where we can send that document over, which talks you through step by step. Obviously, it still means that you've got to do it, but it is there. It is there as a free resource for anybody that wants it.
0: Yeah, and I guess for different size companies, they have different requirements, don't they? Some people might have some kind of HR elements to their business already that might be able to, to do this kind of stuff for them. Somebody might be a one-man band who just literally can't come off the tools long enough to, to fill a form in. Absolutely. Some people might have their idea that they might have to advertise in the local paper for an apprentice or something. But no, you are lining those candidates up for them. All they've got to do is, is meet them and, and interview them. Now, one of those other questions was, how much is this all going to cost me?
1: So if we look at the fitted furniture installer as as an example for for purposes today, the cost Vary depending on the apprenticeship. So obviously, a degree-level apprenticeship is going to cost a lot more than a, a, a level two entry-level apprenticeship. But for fitted furniture and stuff, so each apprenticeship has what's called a funding band. So that's how much the training costs. So if you think about what a degree would cost, or if you went to college to do a short course, anything education-related has a, a, a cost. So each apprenticeship has a funding band. For fitted furniture installer, that's nine thousand pounds. Now the government will pay at least 95% of that cost. And that will be whatever it is, if it's three and a half thousand pounds, if it's 25,000 pounds, the government will pay 95% of it at least. That is based on the age of the apprentice. So if the apprentice is 16 to 18, the government will pay the whole of that. If the apprentice is 19 or over, that's when they'll pay the 95%. So as an employer, the most you're paying towards that training is 550 pounds, which is is a small amount for a two-year apprenticeship programme that's sort of fully supported. The biggest cost to an employer is the apprentice's wages. So the apprentice needs to be employed for a minimum of 30 hours a month. And that cost comes from the employer. The employer also needs to provide any uniform and equipment that apprentice needs to do their job. There's also incentive grants. There is also funding available to offset
0: any of the costs
1: that come out of, for the apprenticeship.
0: Right. And again, that's something you would help with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's government funding available. That's dependent, again, on some parameters, largely around the age of the apprentice when they start, but there's some other factors in there as well. But for members of the CITB, they also offer additional funding and the fitted furniture installer is one of their recognised apprenticeships that they do provide additional grants and funding for. So if you're a CITB member, sorry, it's absolutely vital to have a look at that because there's a significant amount of money that's available there.
0: One of the objections I heard from somebody, and you can now confirm whether this is true or not, is that they can only work for a certain amount of time. So when it comes to whatever o'clock it is, they have to down tools and go home. And equally issues around how you get from A to B, because obviously you're not going to the same place every day. You're working on different sites. So there's elements around transport as, as well. What are the basic guidelines around all that?
1: So there are guidelines around the number of hours somebody can work for their age, but that only up to 18. There isn't a requirement. They, they can work 40 hours a week. They'll have a contract of employment and that will state the number of hours per week that that apprentice is employed to work. And sometimes that will also include the hours. So eight till five, whatever it might be. Now, obviously on some job, you're not going to be able to just leave at five because something's come up or you need to work a bit longer, whatever it might be. Absolutely fine for that apprentice to work to the end of the day, whatever that might be. But in the same way as with any other employee, if they've worked additional hours, they either need to be paid for those hours or given them in lieu. So time in lieu. So it's exactly the same as the way that you would treat any other employee. So there's there isn't a requirement unless they're 16. There isn't really a requirement for them to be restricted to a certain number of hours. Part of the recruitment process, it's always worth making it very clear in any job advert what your requirements are around travel and transport. So for most installers, it might be that they want the apprentice to meet them at a designated pickup point each day. It might be that they want the apprentice to actually get to the job site each day. Due to COVID, there is a backlog of people trying to get their driving licence. So we're seeing more people who are ready to drive and able to do so at the moment. So that is worth considering as an employer because you might be losing out on a great apprentice for the sake of a few months of them not being able to drive. But typically people are looking in their area anyway. All of the job searching that people do is based on the location of the business and all of them, particularly for us, we would make sure that they've got provision to get there.
0: Yeah, I suppose the question is... Are the rules any different for apprenticeships as they would be if you were just employing a 19-year-old to come and help you out?
1: No, exactly the same. So they're covered under um, liability insurances, all of the insurances that you already have, in exactly the same way as taking on an employee. They have the same rights as an employee, same holiday entitlement, whatever you do regarding sick pay and sick leave, that's the same. So, yeah, they're technically absolutely an employee. They just happen to be doing an apprenticeship as part of their employment.
0: Right, so the only restrictions would be around age, which would be applicable to any employee anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. That's one of the objections. I suppose the other idea is about time. What does the retailer have to commit to in terms of sitting with that apprentice and training them?
1: The way that it works is apprenticeships, it's defined as off-the-job training. So 20% of the apprentice's paid hours need to be dedicated to off-the-job training. Um, It's a bit misleading, that title, because it's actually any training that they receive. So the majority of that will be training that they receive on the job by job shadowing, watching people work, being shown how to do things, being shown how to use equipment, being taught about different products, about different retailers, about different fittings. All of that counts towards that off the job training. Anytime that they are with their training provider so that training provider will visit site every four to six weeks to see the apprentice in the workplace and any time that they need to attend online sessions or sessions with the training provider that are off-site that all counts too so essentially it's a day a week that the employer needs to be dedicating to training but in terms of installation it's much much higher than that because if you think about an apprentice in their first month Pretty much everything they do is training. Pretty much everything they do is job shadowing and learning. And and already then, by the end of that month, they have way exceeded the amount of, of hours that they that they need to do for that time. And, and it, it's done on a, an average over the year. So it can be really front loaded. So if they've done loads of training at the beginning and they do less at the end, that's absolutely fine. And that's kind of how it should be. So all of that gets recorded. The apprentice will record all of that with the training provider. And that's the evidence that they're getting the training that they need. So there is a commitment from the employer to attend progress reviews. So where the training provider will want to catch up with the employer to make sure that their apprentice is doing what they need to do and that they're seeing progress. And maybe they just need to have a chat about a few things or looking at next steps on what the apprentice is going to be doing in the future. So they need to be prepared to have those meetings and provide the feedback needed. But day to day, it's just about training them and giving them the opportunity and that might not be directly with that installer. it could be that there's somebody else that works with them who who takes the apprentice under their wing and acts in a line manager or, or mentoring role but yeah that's essentially it a lot of it is just naturally occurring training that any new employee would do
0: yeah even that first week you've got to learn who has sugar in their tea and who doesn't
1: exactly that who wants milk
0: yeah <laughs> And what happens or is there a process for if it all goes horribly wrong? I mean, it's like any job, isn't it? If you take someone on, they're not who you thought they were going to be or, or there's some issues, but you know, there's some conflict between them. What's the process that they have to go through if it just isn't working out? For, for me, the party.
1: Yeah. Again, we always recommend that any apprentice that someone is looking to employ has a trial session because that's really important because it's great to chat to someone someone to tell you their interests and their abilities and why they want to do a job. But actually... Seeing how they work in person, how they follow instruction, all of that is really important. So that, that can help. But yeah, absolutely. If a few months in, if you're looking on the employer side first, you're thinking, gosh, this just isn't working out. The apprentice is often late or there's issues with the workmanship or they, they just, they're just not picking it up and not making any progress. The first thing is to talk to the training provider and the training provider will then be there to support them through that process. So basically, what would usually happen is it would be like any disciplinary process that's already in place. And it would also depend if there's been probationary periods agreed. But basically, the apprentice should be given the opportunity to improve to have the the issues explained to them, be given a set amount of time to, to make improvements, making it known that if those improvements aren't made, what the risks are, whether that's That they lose their job, whatever it might be, and then that's reviewed again at the end of that point, and and a decision made. And the training provider again will support the employer with that. But yeah, there's no commitment. The same with any employee. There's no commitment if it's not working. That that apprentice has to stay with you to the end. But equally, they have to go through a fair process of disciplinary action before they do lose their job. On the apprentice side, again, if they decide it isn't working out they would hand their notice in as, in as any other employee would do. And again, that should be outlined in their contract of employment at the beginning. If they've got grievances, if it's just that they want to hand their notice in, if there's a notice period, and again, the training pro- provider would be involved in that process as well.
0: And is there any training provided or available for people on how to be a mentor how to be a guide how to help apprentices learn what they need to learn because it just there it shouldn't be an assumption just because you, you're good on the tools that you're good at teaching people or that you're good at mentoring people
1: absolutely so as part of the guidance that we provide through bitby there is an, a, an employer guide to apprentices which does kind of outline the expectation what we need to do straight from kind of that induction process and things that you need to remember to be teaching the apprentice and, and, and giving them on the, in their first sort of day and week, right through to the best ways of kind of monitoring progress, giving positive feedback or giving feedback that maybe isn't so positive in a in a constructive way. But again, the training provider is there for the apprentice, but also for that employer. So the training provider is with you throughout that whole programme and they're a great place to start if you've got a concern. For anybody that uses services with, with us, with the, the apprenticeship partner, We also provide an extra level of support there too. So we're there every step of the way, again, for questions, concerns. I've got this situation, I don't know how to handle it. You're not on your own is what I would say to any employer worrying about that aspect of taking on an apprentice. There is plenty of support there available and training providers know what they're doing and they've been doing it for a long time. And it's about building that relationship. But as I say, the apprenticeship partner, we've also got support there too. And anybody can call us at any point, even if we're we're not involved in that apprenticeship. If you've got a question, please feel free to get in touch and we're happy to help where we can.
0: Well, Hannah, we could talk about this all day, couldn't we? But uh, I think the clock's beaten us a bit. I think what we can take away from this is, yes, look, some of this is quite complicated. Some of it is quite administrative, as it should be, to, to get the results that everyone wants out of it. But there is plenty of help available to hold your hands through all that part of it and focus your time on the bit you know best, which is the tools and teaching people how to use them.
1: And that's exactly how it should be.
0: Yes, absolutely correct. Well, look, Hannah, I'll put all the links in the episode description for where people can go and find out more about this. But thank you so much for your time, and we'll catch up again soon. Yeah,
1: thanks, Angie.
0: That was Hannah Hockley from The Apprenticeship Partner, and a massive thank you to her. It is funny that there are so many opinions about apprenticeships, but most of them I think are based on views of what that word probably meant 30 or more years ago. So I suppose if there's any message from this today, it's that it's worth looking into what it all means here and now and make your mind up from there. I'll put links to Hannah and her company as well as the BIKBBI Apprenticeship Info in the episode description. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.